0: Well, greetings to everyone in Jesus' name. It's good to be in the house of God and to be refreshed, to be exhorted. So, for a message this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 21. chapter 21. We'll begin reading at verse 7 uh, through, I believe, verse 28. This is talking about the end times, which I believe is the days that we're living in. And so I'd like to speak a bit about some of the things that we see today and need to prepare for. Let's read here Luke chapter 21 verse 7. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near." Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolk and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls." And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. Now, we're going to stop there. Uh, This kind of gets the main part of this passage. The question that may come to us, as it did to the disciples here, is so when will these things be? And the question is how can we know And where are we in this uh, timeline, if you will? And I will share that I believe we are uh, in verse 9, if you will, where it says, But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. And in... uh, Matthew, he says it this way, the end is not yet. Well, there's no question that we hear of wars, rumors of wars and commotions. And then he also lists a number of other things that will come to pass in the end time and gives a bit of a description of how things will be. But I want to focus on what Jesus said we should do or rather what we should not do. In verse 9 he says, be not terrified. And that's what will be the title of my message this morning, be not terrified. And I realize that just reading some of this can cause feelings to rise up in our mind and hearts of fear and uh, fright. But I'd like to address that this morning because Jesus did not give us information on this for us to be fearful, but rather the opposite. He meant for us not to be terrified. He meant for us to be equipped in our mind and if we refer to our memory work where it says for as much as christ hath suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves likewise with the same mind now what i want to pull out there is that arming yourself with the same mind if you have this knowledge and an understanding of what god is doing we can be armed in our mind to have the mind of Christ in all of this. And so that's going to be my exhortation this morning that we be not terrified. Now, there are things that are not pleasant to think about. As you perhaps, if you've been following the news, you hear about this... uh, What I will call the coronavirus, which is its common name. There's a more technical name, but the coronavirus, which is spreading rapidly in China. And it made me think, of course, of the prophesied pestilences that it speaks about in this passage. And it was one of the things that were spoken of as an indication of the end times. Well, the coronavirus in China is causing an unprecedented amount of fear and distress among the Chinese population. I understand that there have been up to 400 million people placed under quarantine. That is simply unprecedented in any modern time. That is more than the whole population of the United States. It encompasses nearly 60 cities, and it does sound like that has not even stopped the spread of this disease, although it may have slowed it some, and there's some controversy about how effective it is, but as best we know, it's probably spreading far beyond those boundaries. In fact, very recently... Vietnam has also placed about 10,000 people under quarantine. Airlines have stopped flights into the country of China in an effort to stem the transmission. But there are now more than 30 nations that have at least one or more case of this virus, which is a pretty serious affliction. Some have said it's not much worse than the flu because people die of flu all the time. But the best reports would indicate that it is far more dangerous than flu. A much higher fatality rate, although not everybody dies, but a certain percentage of people are dying. Officially, they say that over 1,500 have died from the disease. But there are the reports that suggest that the true number of deaths is far, far higher than that. And while it's a bit premature to know just exactly how extensive it will be, many nations, and even ours included, have taken measures. They are setting up places of quarantine where people can be kept So as not to infect the rest of the population, they have done evacuations of Americans from China and that region to try and protect them, but place them under quarantine and watch. And I believe the director of the CDC has said publicly that we should prepare for a major... um, major epidemic or a major spread of this disease throughout the U.S. It may be some months down the road. But as I was hearing all those reports and reading about what is taking place in China and how they're placing people under quarantine, locking them in their houses in some cases, factories are shut down, transportation has nearly ceased, And the economic production of China has been drastically affected already and probably will to a much greater extent as time goes on. And what will happen if things get that bad here? Does that sound frightening? It is. It is a bit frightening. But Jesus said we should not be terrified. My uh, appeal to you this morning is exactly that. Do not be terrified. Now I do believe that we should prepare in our mind and understand that there may be some very difficult and and trying times come upon us, just as well as anyone else in the world. Um, It would not surprise me at all, in fact, I nearly anticipate that things will get far worse here, even as a result of this particular virus, than what we have perhaps ever seen before. Again, that's a bit unknown, it's not certain, but people are preparing for it and I think we in our own mind should be prepared. I believe there is a place for um, doing what is wise and prudent, I believe God wants us to do that. But at the same time, also to not be terrified. I'd like to speak a bit about some of these end time signs of earthquakes, famines, pestilences, and so on. But I would like to take a little side trip here for a moment and just talk about this thing of terror. I'm sure you've heard it many times and we have the terms such as terrorism and terrorists. And I just note that in this passage, he uses the very word there in verse 9, be not terrified. And then in verse um, 25... It talks about upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. That again has a state of mind, perplexity. And then it says men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. So that is something that's taking place in the end time. men's hearts will be filled with fear for looking at the things that are coming. And Jesus was saying we should not be among those who are filled with fear or that are terrified. Now, the idea of terror or being terrified is to be filled with fear and it is used in the end times here as a weapon, if you will, with the intent of coercing people through fear and intimidation into doing or submitting to something. Now, it is no accident that the scriptures speak about this matter of terror and what we're seeing take place here in the end time. We look at... um, Islam for example in the Middle East it dominates there uh, in the Muslim uh, belief and and worldview and system and it's interesting to note that their very scripture their Quran uh, instructs them to strike fear into the hearts of their enemies that is one of their fundamental worldviews, if you will, that terror should be used against your enemies. And I'd like to note what the scripture says. Let's turn to, for just a few passages, Ezekiel chapter 28. We have in Ezekiel 28 a Prophecy against the king of Tyre. And as we study that, we realize that the king of Tyre here represents Satan himself. In verse 12, it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee. O covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. And it talks about his heart being lifted up. And skipping down several verses to verse 19. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror and never shalt thou be any more. Speaking about Satan and his destruction verse we skipped over there, 18, speaks about God bringing thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And he says, Thou shalt be a terror. So terror originates with Satan. And we find in the book of Job... Job speaks several times of terrors and even makes reference to the king of terror and seems to be a reference to Satan himself. Now let's turn over several chapters to chapter 32. And verse 18, Ezekiel 32, verse 18, Son of man, wail for the multitude of Egypt, and cast them down, even her and the daughters of the famous nations, unto the nether parts of the earth, with them that go down into the pit. Whom dost thou pass in beauty? Go down, and be thou laid with the uncircumcised. They shall fall in the midst of them that are slain by the sword, She is delivered to the sword, draw her and all her multitudes. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with them that help him. They are gone down, they lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Asher is there and all her company, her graves are about him, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit and her company is round about her grave. All of them slain, fallen by the sword, which caused terror in the land of the living. There is Elam and all her multitude round about her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, which are gone down uncircumcised into the nether parts of the earth, which caused their terror in the land of the living. Yet have they borne their shame with them that go down to the pit. And it goes on, verse 26, Meshach, Tubal, and all her multitude that caused their terror in the land of the living. Verse 29, there is Edom, her kings, and all her princes. Um, They go down to the pit. And then it... Verse 31 it says Pharaoh shall see them and shall be comforted over all his multitude even Pharaoh and all his army slain by the sword saith the Lord God for I have caused my terror in the land of the living and he shall be laid in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that are slain with the sword even Pharaoh and all his multitude saith the Lord God. So he's, by the words of the prophet here, reproving these nations and saying that they have caused terror in the land of the living. And we see that happening today. Some of these very nations that are named here are promoting terror. They are using it to coerce man into subjection or as an effort to overthrow governments but they use the threat of violence or harm so when you hear about terrorists blowing up something a car bomb exploding in the marketplace and and uh, 70 people killed and you know 150 wounded those are almost common kind of news reports in these last days or years here. Now, terrorism of that sort has been around for a long time. But it is very evident that in the last few decades, it has tremendously increased and become a very common uh, expression in and We know the use of the word and we read it in the newspapers about terror and terrorists and those who attempt to strike fear in the hearts of people to coerce them into whatever their agenda is. That is the definition of a terrorist. I believe it's one of the signs of the end times in the very words of the scriptures that said this is the way they will operate. They will create terror in the land of the living. And so what I'm showing here from the scripture is that the very concept of terror and terrorism, a, uh, an attempt to coerce people and to frighten them, and thereby control them or force them to do something, is a device of the devil himself, even referred to as the king of terror. Now at the end of this passage, it seems that God is speaking and saying, for I have caused my terror in the land of the living. And in, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 10, It speaks in the context of the end time judgment of God that he will lop the bough of terror. Very interesting that when Jesus comes again to judge the world, he will lop the bough as a pruner would, he will cut off that terror. If we read about the accounts of how it shall be in the end times, men's hearts failing them for fear of seeing those things that are coming to pass, and it says that very specifically about when they shall see the sign of the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven, they will be calling on the rocks and the hills to hide them for fear and for terror when they see the Son of Man. And it seems like God is turning that around. The very thing that Satan attempted and did for many years is to create terror in the land of the living. God will turn that around in judgment and they will be the terrified ones when they see Christ coming in his power and glory. Okay, back to our, our text here in Luke 21... And I need to add this yet on what I just said about God's judgment coming and terror falling upon the wicked, in that what God will do beyond that is that he will cause righteousness to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And he says very specifically that they shall not cause them to be afraid anymore and They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. That is the millennial reign of Christ. He will come and he will reign in peace. Um, And that is when terrorism will be banished. It will be done away with. And there will be no more terrors. Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit. These nations that cause terror in the land of the living will be judged and there will be peace and safety. But we needn't expect that that's going to be the reality here and now. What we're seeing today is wars and commotions. It may be a bit difficult for us to wrap our mind around the the difficulties that multitudes around the world are facing because of wars and famines and pestilences and so on, because for the most part, we have lived in a land of relative safety, um, land of opportunity, a land that has for most of its existence here, as, as America, has been very tolerant and even um, favorable toward Christianity. But those things are changing. And we shouldn't think that we will entirely escape having troubles and difficulties. And it's important for us to have a, a settled uh, faith in our hearts, a, an anchor that's been cast, if you will, if I reference last Sunday's message, an anchor of faith that will endure regardless of what we face. It says here, "You shall hear of wars and commotions. And it says then that nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in verse 25 it says, Upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And that... um, The sea there, I believe, refers to the sea of humanity. It is the peoples of the earth. That is the sea that it's talking about and the waves roaring is speaking of unrest among the peoples. Well, there is so much unrest the world over. There has been an ongoing civil war in Syria where millions of people have been displaced Hundreds of thousands have been killed in the last 10 years. And other nations, Iran, which is accused at least of promoting terror throughout the Middle East and destabilizing the region, and it's been a point of conflict. But Iran is suffering under the uh, financial... Uh, pressures that have been put against them, they are suffering a lot of uh, difficulty financially and and people are actually suffering from lack of food and shelter and the economic hardships because of sanctions that the nations have placed against it. There's a war in Yemen where, again, tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands have died and there has been a a cholera outbreak which is among the largest in recent history. Far larger than the one in Haiti. But millions are at risk of dying and many have died. And I'm not sure. This has been some months back. I don't know what the current situation is there. South America is facing uh, tremendous upheavals. Venezuela The situation there in the entire country is very dire. Their economy has basically collapsed. There is conflict about who should be ruling, and they have attempted a socialist regime there that has just utterly failed, and people are literally dying and suffering, and hundreds of thousands have fled the country. It wasn't that far back that Colombia was going under great stresses and people fleeing the country there. Bolivia has had political unrest and a conflict between um, those taking power. Uh, Brazil, Chile, all of those nations have faced a great unrest and, and conflicts in in the political scene, and and unrest among the population and rioting, and that has escalated significantly just in the last few years, and uh, perhaps even in the last year. Over in the far east, you have Hong Kong. It was in the news repeatedly for the unrest there and the mass protests and even clashes with the police trying to restore order and conflict between Hong Kong and China. There's conflict in Central Asia between Pakistan and India and that has been going up and down for years and years but Every now and then it heats up and there's threat of nuclear war because both of those countries have nuclear weapons. It's just getting more distressing all the time. There's perplexity But in all of this, the wars and the commotions, we should not be terrified. Now, some of this hits close home because we have two families here. Michaels, Jonathans have come back from Haiti for a short time because of unrest. Distresses in the nation where it was not really safe to be there. And there's a bit of perplexity that comes with that. But let me speak about the perplexity, perhaps, taking just Haiti for an example. There are, there's the government, which is maybe not all that strong, and then there's opposition groups, and there's unrest. There's unrest in the streets, and there's rioting, and... and. Um, people trying to threaten others and take control. And then there's the reports of why all of this is going on. Uh, The protesting groups that want to seize power would claim that the government is corrupt. Well, and that may be true or it may not be true. It may be that those who want to seize power are the corrupt ones and they're trying to overthrow a government that is less corrupt. Or it could be the other way around it's just a bit perplexing because you don't really know what you can trust as your news source. And so in that, you sort of try to find your way as to what what is most believable. Uh, But I think as Christians, we should also arm our mind to realize that we will be bombarded with a lot of conflicting stories And we don't always know and may not always be able to sort out what is actually true and what is false. Um, And that means we need to pray and we need to seek God's face as to what he would have us to do. And so um, maybe a bit more of that later. The things that were said here that would happen in the end times are happening. Great earthquakes in diverse places. There are uh, an ever-increasing amount of earthquakes, and some of them greater and lesser, but their frequency is increasing. And what I have found recently, they're reporting that what they call earthquake swarms, where it seems there is just a continuing... Uh, continual shaking where there might be a handful of major shocks that come one after the other, but in between there's just a very large amount of small tremors to what they actually call just a continual quaking of the earth, happening in California and off the coast, happening in Kansas and Oklahoma, and also happening in other parts of the world. Famines. Right now I understand that there is a locust plague that on the news you read of it as being of biblical proportions. In regions of Kenya and South Sudan and even as far as Pakistan, (laughs) there are billions of locusts, sometimes in clouds that cover many square kilometers that are just gobbling up any green thing in sight and is almost sure to be followed by severe famine because it says those swarms of locusts can eat in one day as much as a whole nation could eat. Uh, And so, you know, there goes the crop just... Difficult to control or do anything about it. And they said this this particular plague is worse than it has been for decades. Pestilences, we spoke about that. That could perhaps even impact us in a significant way. Fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. There are occasional reports of those, uh, There's not; they're not as common, I think we can expect to hear more of them, but one thing I will note that in the last decade or two, we have heard much more about asteroids, those large rocks that are somewhere out there in our solar system and some of them passing near the earth and some... Uh, smaller ones, maybe perhaps as small as the size of a bus, which if you call that small, but coming hurtling through the atmosphere and burning up leaves a trail of light. And in one case in Russia, it resulted in an explosion that was so powerful it shattered windows in a city, I'm not sure how far, 10 or 20 miles from the actual point of of the explosion since it was high in the atmosphere. In my... Back in my growing up years, I don't recall hearing about those kind of things very much at all. They may have existed, I'm not sure, but... It says here... um, let me speak about this matter of perplexity. This coronavirus, which is spreading rapidly through China, is believed by some to not be a natural occurrence, but actually a virus that was developed in a lab under the purpose of biowarfare and so this virus may have some very evil intent behind it you know that and we've heard this for years that there are those who would who would claim that the earth needs to be purged of much of its population lest the earth be destroyed and the concept of of eugenics, that somehow we need to control the population and reduce the population of the Earth. So there are some men, even in high places in this world, that would desire to see a certain large percentage of the Earth uh, people just die and be destroyed. Now, this particular virus, some have uh, some experts have claimed that according to the genetic. Uh, Blueprint, if you will, of this particular virus, that it was actually not a natural occurrence but developed in a bioweapons research lab. It so happens there is one of the top ones in China that is right near the epicenter where this virus started. And so there's, while some are quite certain that it must have come out of this lab, they are not certain whether it was by accident which is a very real possibility, or whether it was intentional, which is also a possibility, depending on who you believe or what reports sound the most credible. The official report out of China is that over 1,500 people have died. Unofficial reports and... um, just common folks who are leaking out videos and reports would say that the number of deaths could actually be closer to 50,000 people. And so there is a great divide between the official report and the unofficial report. And by the time it gets over here, which are you supposed to believe? Um, Because compounding that is those then who hear the reports of the large numbers and they say well beware because there is an intent to make this sound far worse than it is in an effort to intimidate and scare people and eventually they'll come out with a vaccine and they'll force everybody to have a vaccine and this is totalitarian control and it's these mega corporations that are going to make a ton of money off of this and your head starts going, you know, what, what is true? Well, we were told there's going to be perplexity. Now there is, I believe, it's, it's good for us to be aware and to be wise. Um, I don't think necessarily there's anything wrong for making some preparations. But at the same time, we should not be terrified by these things. We should not be just driven by a fear of survival and a fear of what is to come. Um, we may die by coronavirus or we may die of cancer. There's people dying all around us of cancer. We don't know or have any promise of tomorrow. And so when these things come, I believe God wants us to turn our attention to him. It's not necessarily a punishment, although I do believe that some of these things could be judgments. If you read in Revelation where the wrath of God is poured out, those bold judgments, it talks about the extreme, uh, you know, men being scorched with a great heat, but what they will do is blaspheme God instead of repenting. Of their wickedness. We have that uh, even today you will have men's hearts failing for fear and one of the things that drives that fear is there is no fear of God in their eyes. They do not recognize that there is a God who controls all these things and that he is the one to whom we flee to for refuge. You hear talk about, even from major politicians, that um, the world is going to come to a catastrophic end in ten years if we don't make some drastic effort to change or reverse climate change. And they want all kinds of... of um, Changes to society and vast transfers of money and upsetting the whole economic system because of this great fear that the world is going to come to an end in ten years. Unless we do something about it. Well, what they will not recognize is that God is still in control. And God promised that seed time and harvest would remain until the end of the world. So even though there's going to be famines, there'll be pestilences, there'll be all these earthquakes and those kind of things, but yet there will be a continuation of seed time and harvest. It seems to me that some of these people probably think that the world may well end unless we do something. But it's not acknowledging God, not giving recognition to God, and in their mind, it's all we've got. And if this world perishes, we're all done for. And so, in their mind, they want they want to do something, even though They really can't do much of anything that will have any uh, lasting uh, impact on on the climate. Now it says here, oh thank you. A portion I didn't speak about much is um, about being persecuted. But Jesus devoted a portion of this saying that in verse 12, before all these, and I believe that means it's been going for a while, and during all of these troublesome times, there's going to be persecution. And again, we haven't seen a lot of it openly and directly like they have in many other places in the world. But he says that we should settle it in our hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Talks about being betrayed. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. It's coming here as well as men forsake the Lord. um, God's people will be hated. You will find more and more that they will call good evil and evil good. They will hate the righteous. But then he says... And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Now, how do you put those two statements together? Where he says, Some of you will be put to death, but not an hair of your head shall perish. What does that mean? Then he says in verse 19, In your patience possess ye your souls. And what I believe it means is that truly some will be put to death. We don't know if that comes here necessarily, but it is happening already in many other places in the world where God's people are being put to death. But even in that, even if it were to come here and we would see that happening, we should also recognize that God is the one who gives us our breath. And we need not fear those who would kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, we should fear God. We should fear him who is able to cast body and soul into hell. And so, like the three Hebrews who told the king, you know, even though you demand this of us and you threaten us with death, just know whether God delivers us or not, we don't know, but we will not bow down to your idol. That should be our mindset too. And just trust that there shall not a hair of our head perish. In your patience, your willingness to bear up under these difficulties, possess ye your souls. I'd like to close with Psalm 46. Let's read this with this thought in our mind of the end times, of earthquakes, mountains shaking, tumultuous times, and this is what God says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, for we will not be terrorized. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, them. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Sela. May it be so.